0: What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Flip Flop Guy podcast. I'm Andy Mokel, and I'll be your host. Our goal is to have epic conversations with people from all walks of life. There are no talking points that are off the table. It's going to get wild. We hope our guests inspire and motivate you to walk with purpose as we trudge the road of human existence. Enjoy the show. I heard my bow. Oh, no.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was like, so I was like... I was at the range checking just some like last minute like Broadhead flight and mm. I have the option option sight which is how do you
0: like that bow sight?
1: I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, It's good for it's great for hunting but if you're like doing some like 3D events you're limited on your range because you have a five pin and then it swings open to a single pin and you're swinging single pin instead of the whole housing like moving it's just inside the site so you're kind of limited like on shooting distance like 77 yards or like 80 yeah um so I was sighting in some broad heads and I was making sure that everything was back to normal on my site and and uh I pulled back and I was like I shot I was like look down i was like that sounded really bad and i looked at my cams are all bent and i have all my arrows <laughs> <in> my <quiver. laughs> i was like a week before my season and <laughs> but I'm did do you think
0: that there was an arrow on your string
1: yeah i must have like trying to dial back everything back in get my sight all ready back yeah. and i totally skipped past that part i was like okay i got one in there i was like <laughs> and just like so focused and i i was definitely rushing things yeah. and uh Bet my cams, and <laughs> <laughs> That's I was so bummed. I was like, I've been waiting four years to draw this tag, mm-hmm. and I hit up Rudy and West Coast Archery and got me new cams, um, new axle, and new string dialed me in before I could get...
0: Before the season before opened. Before the season opened. That's quick turnaround, though.
1: Yeah, like seriously, like, people from Bowtech help me out and uh west Coast archery they got it the ball rolling like i hit up rudy like right away i was at the range and hit him up and he was at he was on a hunting trip but he called hans and the people at west coast archery and i've only been there one time prior but with rudy moving over i was like i need people who know who know their shit
0: yeah so <laughs> kind of just sealed the deal for sealed you the deal and, and the fact that you had to go over there no. yeah and so
1: like a couple they Rudy's got it. great
0: dude he's been an amazing acquisition for the shop yeah he i mean I, not only is he knowledgeable with uh target shooting mm-hmm. but he's also a knowledgeable hunter yeah and getting that squirt away and really mm-hmm. helping people hone in talent and skill and yeah you know
1: i was really raw like i growing up was We have bow docks in Pacifica my dad was salmon fisherman and like surfing. And so that's what I grew up was, you know, camping, fishing and like surfing and stuff like that. And I didn't get into hunting until later on in my life, like mid, probably mid late twenties or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so like my brother got into it and a buddy of mine, he started a bow company. It was like these, his market was like really small, compact bows. And I started like slowly getting into like things. He started showing me the bow and like shooting and stuff like that. And then uh, my brother and his friends got into bow hunting pretty. Uh, did you get into archery first or? Did yeah, you? Okay. archery first. Like I had some friends who rifle hunted, and we went up into D zone, and it took me one year, kind of just like road hunting. And I was like, okay, I was like, there's a ton of people, right? And roads I was, like, are packed and yeah, D-Zone. roads are packed. I was like, man, this is kind of crazy and i was like that's a lot of people and then maybe that's what kind of drove me towards uh archery hunting in california was just a lot less people like when the season starts um and it was fun my brother and started shooting we have a range in pacifica and so um they started showing me how it's done and like i kept getting more into it and more into it and then i went to rudy and went some lessons she's to get my bases covered and like do things right, and uh, he's he's really talented, man. Like, <laughs> 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 he, he got me on the right track because with archery, you could kind of chase your tail if you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so six years ago, I would say I would really started really started hunting, like archery hunting and stuff like diving that, diving into it, diving into it. And that's uh,
0: it's funny too getting to talk to somebody who got into it later in life uh-huh. as to where for me, in my case, I got into it early in life. So I have a lifetime of bad habits. Yes. Right. And you got to develop a skill and a talent. Well, somebody was kind of maybe coaching you a little bit and mm-hmm. saying, don't do this, don't do that. You yeah. know, there was no, no yeah. building bad habits. Uh-huh,
1: right. <laughs> and like, well, like the hunting thing, could, if you're not, if you're not from it and growing up with it, it could be kind of intimidating to get into it because there's so much to learn right like from everything from gear to where you go to how you do it the glassing like shooting like everything like there's so much that goes into it that uh it could be uh, overwhelming
0: so for for you getting into it what was the intimidation factor like as you're i mean as you're saying right now Mm -hmm. Wanting to dive into a whole new hobby and love and passion for the outdoors. Yeah. So starting out
1: fishing, and then 2009, my sister had been working. She was kind of like a nomad-like traveler. Um, she got a job cooking at um, a fishing resort on Prince of Wales Island, in southeast Alaska. It's not a bad place. Yeah, not a bad place <laughs> at all. And she had been working there, and then she finally, like, talked me into it, like, going and uh, – there's a bunch of guides and like there's a spot open for fish cutter so all those guides go out take all those people out and come back and then we would offload the the fish and fillet fish and package fish all night long from like four until like whatever four in the morning or something like that and uh a lot of the guys were also hunters and like that's when i started like some guys would hunt on the island and stuff on their off time and stuff and seeing wildlife and like getting in close and there's a couple guys who bow hunted for bears up there while I was there and that's like kind of what where the ball started getting rolling like really interested like I want to do this like it's fun yeah Yeah. like just fish so long and I think after I did the lodge for four years I got into uh commercial fishing like gill netting for salmon and like crabbing what's gill netting so gill netting is you have basically a big wheel in the back of the boat it's not a big boat like 32 feet and as a net you have buoys like floats on top and then a net that will sit i don't know 15 feet down 15 20 feet with a lead line at the bottom so it'll hold it vertical so you have these surge of like salmon schools of salmon that come by and they'll hit the net and get caught in it and you reel and you bring up the wheel and you're picking fish out of the net so they don't get wound up and mm-hmm. meat all crushed um and then when, and then the off time, we are doing dungeness crabbing because, with gill netting, it's only open say from Tuesday at noon till Thursday at noon. They have to, like it's tight per, window. Yeah, tight window. They give you cordon in it coordinates, uh, to where you're allowed to fish. So they got it really well regulated, and uh, we would dungeness crab on our off time to like offset that time and make some more money.
0: So growing up in Pacifica. Your dad was a fisherman, Uh you said. Yeah. Big time. So your whole life kind of was revolving around the outdoor sports. Yeah. But more so in the ocean than in the forest. Mm Mm-hmm. How, for you, was fishing... For, you know, getting to go out fishing with mm-hmm. your dad and it being a family event yeah. or, you know, and all that kind of uh-huh. stuff.
1: It was huge. Like I was definitely uh, blessed to be born in Pacifica. And then we have boat docks right on the beach, like so private little boat docks that you have 14 foot wooden dories and stuff, whatever. But and you have a ramp that runs right into the ocean. So it was, I was pretty blessed to be able to do that. Like that was huge spending time with my dad and my brother. And, you know, with Did your dad
0: grow up in Pacifica
1: yeah he did he was born and raised and kind of like a hippie with my mom and uh surfing a lot of the
0: old school pacifica folks are good folks
1: yeah pretty cool and then you know they i grew up camping up in humboldt and then they found spots up there you know when in the 70s and stuff like that but like that was huge that was like our moment to like bond like when i think about like memories when i was a kid a lot of those were spent like fishing and surfing like with my dad and like how the outdoors like brought us together like just really solid memories <laughs> yeah
0: that's rad man i mean yeah. for me growing up in marin like yeah fishing was an enormous yeah you know backbone uh-huh for our family when we weren't hunting and when we weren't camping. Yeah. We were out in the bay or the mm-hmm. ocean going up to Mendo, yep. camping out in Mendo, Russian gulch, yeah, yeah, abalone yeah. diving, mm-hmm. capazoni, rockfish, yeah. ling cod. Exactly. You know, spear fishing, <laughs> the whole deal. Yeah. So I can completely relate to that. Yeah. Um, have you ever done uh, like polk polling for eels? Absolutely monkey face, oh, yeah, one of the funnest fish, so that was like to go out and get
1: yeah, so that was like my dad's introduction to us, like getting into the ocean and stuff was like low tide right there in Pacifica, and like those gets hairy sometimes it gets hairy sometimes, <laughs> but it's so much fun it's I don't know, like I can't wait to do it with my kid, you know like it's it's super fun, mm-hmm. like it's a cool way to introduce people to. I don't know, the ocean and outdoors, like tide pooling. Yeah, tide pooling. Like there's yeah. so much cool if you're a kid, there's like so much stuff to there's look so at. There's
0: so much life. You know, and you're <laughs> yeah skipping from rock to rock mm-hmm. and right. trying to not fall yeah. in and find the right you know, and I <laughs> mean like you find a three inch hole yeah in a rock and you stick <laughs> your poke pole in there yeah. with your squid dangling uh-huh. off yeah. the end and you'll pull a five pound eel out of it yeah like how did it even yeah how did it get in there (laughs) yeah i've there was one hole i had a monster eel on Uh and i was trying to get it out and the eel was too big Uh to come out of the hole (laughs) that i was fishing in holy you know and it was like how did it even get in there yeah it's
1: crazy like when my dad was like i i remember vividly like all right you want to find the smallest hole crack and shove your little squid in there and i'm like how is that possible that they're in that little crack and hole and you pull out some Mondos,
0: (laughs) right? It's crazy too. The, I don't know what it is now. And I, I'm going to butcher this completely. Mm -hmm. Um, the record, the state record on a monkey faced eel is like seven pounds or something like that. Yeah. Like it's a pretty big eel. And we used to go every minus tide all summer long. Me and my dad and my brother Mm -hmm. would go out, and, uh, one year my dad got like a seven, seven or a seven, eight wow. monster, just tank of an eel, you know, and you have your burlap sack mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of people that maybe aren't familiar with it. You basically have a 12 foot pole yep, and there's a steel rod that kind of comes off the yep, end. Exactly. And you put a four inch leader on the end mm-hmm. of that. That's usually a wire line. Yeah. Because the wire eel's line. teeth are gnarly. Yeah. And you have a hook on it and mm-hmm. you bait up that and you put the rod over your shoulder. You find a hole. Uh-huh. You shove the hole underneath or you shove the, the rod, yeah. the tip of the rod into the hole or yeah. underneath a rock and the tide yeah. pulls or whatever. And uh, you'll feel the tug. Yeah. Right. The tug's is <laughs> the drug. <laughs> and then you set it, but you can't lift the rod. No. But you can't lift the pole because you'll snap it. Yeah. You have to bring the pole hand over hand mm-hmm. back over your shoulder And eel are so slippery and slimy, and like they'll wrap around you like a snake, yeah. (laughs) Right? And you get your burlap sack around it, and Mm -hmm. you got to be careful because the teeth, Mm -hmm. and get your pair of pliers, and get the hook out, and drop it into the bottom of the sack, and make sure that that sack doesn't spill over. Because eel, like, I've had them last forever, like in the sack, all day long. Like an eel will not die.
1: They're like the cockroach of the ocean. They it's will, disgusting. Like yeah. my dad, what he used to do was bring them home and he would take a nail, drive it through its head on a board. And then, and it's, then still clean. Yeah, it's still going. Yeah. Still
0: going. And but that's, that's the how only we would clean way, it. But yeah, that's how you have to clean it. <laughs> yeah. You have to drive a nail through its head because <laughs> yeah. there's no way you're going to get the knife in it without filleting your hand. <laughs> oh open. my God. There's the slippers. Thing. <laughs> yeah. It,
1: but yeah, those, I think those memories are like huge for me. And then that drove the passion, the outdoors. Like I'm, I try to be as outside as much as possible mm-hmm. like no matter what even in all the smoke <laughs> even in all the smoke. It's, it's crazy like coming across the Bay Bridge or not the Bay Bridge but the Golden Gate and then coming and seeing smoke again I was like dang I was like I don't want that to come back. Yeah. But so was, I
0: felt this morning I woke up and looked out my bedroom window and I was like dude there's another fire. Fuck. That was
1: depressing when you didn't see
0: blue sky for a few weeks like <laughs> yeah like that, a month and a half. Mentally
1: like I was like dude come on. <laughs> But yeah, like always summertime, it was like full on salmon season. Like when July swung around, usually the salmon came in like, mm-hmm. and that was like, oh, it's go time. It's like every chance you yeah, have the opportunity, we'd probably go out salmon fishing when, you know, salmon numbers were strong. Yeah. But they seem to be getting better. They've been getting better for a while. There mm-hmm.
0: was a lull there in the 2000s, man. Where yeah. Salmon was peaking, man. It was rough fishing going out there i spent a lot of time salmon fishing cal city and all that when mm-hmm. you used to be able to catch good salmon and yeah. i feel like you haven't there hasn't been a good salmon run in cal city in a number of years yeah cal city's inside the mm-hmm. gate uh for people that don't know but i mean we went out i went out a couple trips this year and both trips caught over 25 pounder dude that's yeah. solid that's a solid fish <laughs> yeah i'll take it i'll take it i was pumped man yeah hopefully uh hopefully
1: they could bring back abalone diving but who knows did you have ab- did you ab dive a lot yeah. yeah yeah it was that was fun i don't know there's something special about it maybe because there's not too many places you're allowed to do it mm-hmm. um but it always felt pretty special being able to
0: go for abalone so know? would you guys growing up have like seafood feeds at your house and all the friends would come over and yeah. just be like abalone salmon halibut
1: mm-hmm. abalone all- <laughs> salmon halibut crab crab was a huge one mm-hmm. um My dad was really into uh, smoking his own salmon and he would kind of jar it, pressure cook it after smoking it and kind of give it away as gifts. And like people still to this day, like still remember, like my dad's like smoked salmon, like him giving them to people and stuff like that. So it was, uh, it was pretty good. You get kind of spoiled. You kind of take it for granted growing up on the ocean, like having crab and salmon, like all that stuff available to you, like right out your front door people were pretty jealous sometimes
0: that's crazy man (laughs) yeah it's it's i guess growing up in the bay area from a Mm -hmm. fishing family or from a hunting family or whatever you know it's like for us growing up my family would host events at the house where Mm -hmm. it's the same thing you go there and there's like five ten pounds of abalone Mm -hmm. you know fried breaded and fried and lemon and you know Mm -hmm. halibut and salmon and Mm -hmm. we would do deer legs as well Mm -hmm. and it just everybody would get to come together and just have this huge you know Mm -hmm. wild feed of wonderful food that Mm -hmm. we caught and hunted yeah the whole deal and it's so funny when i meet other people because so many people in the hunting world are not from the coast and they're, you know, they're from other States Mm -hmm. and they've never experienced abalone or like fresh caught salmon. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe fresh caught, but yeah, fresh caught and then flown on ice. Uh, Yeah, exactly. I mean, which is a different experience. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's, it's definitely a trip, like being able to harvest like your own food, like say fishing or diving or hunting I think the real joy comes out of being able to share that with yeah. other people. Like,
0: one hundred percent.
1: Like we just had, um, we just had my wife's brother and his girlfriend over, and like cooked up um, some like spaghetti and made some meatballs out of the venison out of the deer I just killed, um, and that was like a super like proud moment. Like, mm-hmm. I love sharing that with other people who otherwise like really never get to experience that or like have that type of food, you know?
0: Yeah it's pretty neat so rolling into from all-time fishing uh-huh getting into archery with your brother yeah. and your brother's friends mm-hmm. and everybody was kind of diving in yeah how did that talent develop for you I know you said you had a lot of help from Rudy and yeah and everything like that but what was it like getting into the field figuring out hunting zones in California and trying to tackle that beast I mean luckily yeah. you had a couple other guys to yeah, do it with a, and you weren't on a solo mission. But yeah. what was what was that like? That was uh
1: that was a little overwhelming, like where to start, like what to put in for, like down the road, like like your elk and you know, your antelope and stuff like that, where to start out with that and then basically like figuring out what zone to like kinda keep hammering and pressure and not switch zones like all the time like <laughs> like learning know, and understanding learning the unit, and understanding the, the unit and what to look for i think that was that was a bit of a learning curve is all the stuff to look for
0: excuse me <laughs>
1: <laughs> what to look for in a particular zone because you know different units they're just going to be different activity and different habits and stuff like that so that was that was a big learning curve um my sister's husband um they live up in bernie falls now Mm -hmm. um he grew up there he was kind of a big help like learning from how to tackle being a good mentor yeah being a good mentor exactly yeah um so that stuff was that stuff was kind of tough how important
0: was that for you to have somebody that was willing to mentor you um that was huge. I mean, yeah. especially,
1: I mean, well, it's it, great to
0: hear about other hunters that are yeah. mentoring. New guys that are getting into the field. Cause yeah. it's such a missed opportunity uh-huh. for us to grow our yeah. population of hunters. Mm-hmm.
1: My brother helped me out a big time. Cause he got into archery a little bit younger, um, started deer hunting and got his first deer way before me. Um, he helped me out a lot. I mm-hmm. mean, what was passed down to him, he passed down to me and like, I owe him a lot just to getting into hunting outdoors like waterfowl and bow hunting. So I owe him a lot, like understanding like deer movements and it's just how everything kind of works. Yeah. So,
0: so you pick your zones that you're mm-hmm. going to start hunting yep. and you start spending time in the field. How frustrating was it for you? Uh, it was, uh, it was, pretty frustrating
1: Uh um california hunting is rough california hunting is rough and it's like you know you grow up you're watching like hunting shows right and you have like false expectations right Mm -hmm. and (laughs) you're like why am i not seeing these monster four by fours you know like even last year like last year i hunted my ass off and i think i saw just a couple couple legal bucks saw a ton of spikes and does and stuff like that you know it's just like when you think you have it, like, figured out, like, it throws you like a curveball, you know? Yeah. So, that can be really frustrating. It's just, like, when you're down and out and you want to quit, is just to keep pushing through. Like, this year was almost like that, like. Determination. Yeah, determination is, like, so huge in hunting that what I realized, like, a lot of people can not see anything and just get down and out and, Give up. give up and like we've talked or talked like jeff like mm-hmm. jeff had every opportunity to quit and have everything go wrong mm-hmm. in his unit like from the fires burning up all the spots he glass preseason you know and then to have all those people in smoke and just like he totally could have given up but he kept after it yeah that was pretty cool to see
0: <laughs> yeah th- that whole entire experience for uh-huh. me was wonderful i mean i Jeff on his first archery hunt yeah. that he ever went on um, in California. Yeah, different from his New York hunts mm-hmm. that he had done, and we went out and got after it. And he was always eager to learn more, mm-hmm. eager for knowledge in the field. Mm-hmm. Call me and pick my brain and ask all kinds of questions and and really fun stuff. And to watch him develop in the last three years as a California hunter and the time that yeah. he's willing to put in and sacrifice mm-hmm. and plan and dedicate and schedule because you know you and I both know as a tattoo artist he's extremely booked he's extremely you know he's a great tattoo artist so he's he has people coming Mm -hmm. from all over the place and he chisels out the time to go and spend the time in the field and yeah boots on the ground and he called me um, when he shot his buck and he's Mm -hmm. like dude I shot my buck yeah you know and I was like okay you know, like mm-hmm. chill out, yeah. Take the time, relax a little bit, and you know, throughout the day, he ended up losing the blood trail, mm-hmm. and I had made it up to the cabin that night and went and um, searched for the buck with him the next morning, with me and my family and some friends, and to get to be there when and it was Jeff who found the buck. Oh, like okay, one hundred percent. Oh, okay, he found it. He found. Oh, it. I thought you found. No. it. No. <laughs> oh no 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 no. no. Oh, no. So. We had been blood trailing it. We Uh got to the lost blood. Yeah. And I'm looking at the hillside and there's only one run of trees that goes down this hillside. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, dude, that's where it has to be. Yeah. And they're up on top following tracks because there's Mm -hmm. no more blood. Mm -hmm. And I cut down below everybody. Yeah. To get to this tree patch. And sure enough, the tracks went right into the tip of the tree patch. So Brett comes down, Brett marks the tree and is yep. like, all right, cool. You know, and we find some monster tracks and they start side hilling out. And I'm like, man, I just feel like that's not right. Yeah. You know, but all right, let's, these are fresh tracks. We'll stay mm-hmm. on them. And we ended up on those tracks for 850 yards or something like yeah. that, like a major distance. And I called my dad and I was like, when have we ever tracked a buck and it didn't run downhill in the first patch of trees it sees yeah it's like we need to go back to that first patch of trees mm-hmm. we're gonna find it yeah and get back to that first patch of trees jeff walks over to me mm-hmm. and i'm like that's the last place i saw the track mm-hmm. and we start walking down the hill and 38 yards from where we went and started side hilling yeah the buck was laying it was was dead you know, right below us, and Jeff's like, "Hey, there's my buck right there." It's like, yeah. oh, dude, so awesome
1: dude. for him, like, because he hasn't killed a California buck. Like, yeah. New York was was pretty killer. I was <laughs> so stoked for him, like, like that he finally accomplished that goal. Like, that was huge, and he got a killer buck. Great buck, <laughs>
0: great buck. He was so ex-
1: excited. Yeah, I think that's two is was pretty intimidating and like that's taken some time to learn is you know spotting the buck is one thing but with archery is closing that distance and Mm -hmm. how to close that gap is was kind of a big learning gap and then also with archery is tracking after and like what kind of blood you're looking for and when to sit and stay and like wait wait that deer out not go in right after it because being new to hunting like shot a buck you want to go after it like right away you know you want to find it yeah you want to immediately immediately so tracking that was a huge that was uh that was a learning curve too like this year on my buck i was by myself way up northeast corner of california and uh my brother had to go back to work, so I went back out the next day. and was just kind of hunting by myself, and I was like, man, I was like, we haven't seen too much out here. I was like, I'm not going to see anything, and then in clear cut and got opportunity. There was a solo buck right there, and I found out from the taxidermist that he had an infection in one part of his eye, so I'm pretty sure that's what gave me a good shot, that he couldn't pick me up clearly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, no. I'm, we're going to divert and sidetrack here no. really quick. So I got this random message on oh. Instagram uh-huh. today from an older lady. And uh, she, I guess, it looks like on... I don't know how she found my account. <laughs> um, hold on. So... She sent me a message, and she says, Okay, this is weird. And I was not going to say anything, but I have to in good conscience. I don't know you, and you don't know me, but someone used your picture and tried to, um, well, dot. And she said, Sorry, I just wanted you to be aware. Have a nice day. My response is, I said, What? Is there any proof of this? She said, Yes. I said, Can you send it to me? So she screenshot... What I'm assuming looks like... um, What I'm assuming looks like... uh, WhatsApp. Okay. Right? Just by looking at the screenshot she sent me. And somebody sent her a picture of me fishing on a lake... And the guy's name, he was going by the alias Raymond. And, uh... So that picture is off your... It must have screenshot my photo off Instagram. And then was trolling older women. That is so bizarre. Yeah, dude. That is so bizarre. Dude, like people are crazy that's fucking <laughs> this is the second time that something like this has happened really to me. yeah where someone is claiming to be me <laughs> with a different name like, I swear to god look at this shit dude you should be flattered right <laughs> like read is, the conversation it's... that he's having with her and then that's definitely a photo please. of me <laughs> please don't forget me please don't forget <laughs> I'll never forget you
1: <laughs> How did she find you though if she if he used a different name, how
0: did she find you? I I don't know, somehow <laughs> she's saying that she convinced him to get my real name. That's pretty wild. That's wild as fuck, dude. <laughs> Sorry, man. No, that that's all okay. total derailed conversation right there. <laughs> Oh, that's so awkward. <laughs> that is that, that is, is so awkward and weird, dude. So is that chicken to you now? <laughs> I fucking am not into her. <laughs> that is for damn yeah, sure. Anyways. Uh, so, yeah, Jeff's experience was super rad. Yes. Super grateful that Jeff was able to connect. Mm-hmm. Uh, he put a lot of time and effort into that. Yeah. And it was really neat to get to see that. Yeah, you know, and his dedication, like mm-hmm. what you were talking about, dedication and, yeah. and determination mm-hmm. in the field, uh, which it sounds like for you has been extremely beneficial in your growth as a hunter Yeah, and your willingness to be dedicated mm-hmm. to the craft. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like
1: sticking with, like I always thought when I started, I was like, Oh, I'm going to get my first buck with a rifle. But then I made a switch to archery and I got my first buck with a bow. Um, and that kind of, like, lit the fire of, like, bow hunting here. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's uh, it's challenging. There's a lot of times where I want to quit and, like, dang, I want to go grab a rifle right now. <laughs> Just go into <laughs> rifle season, you know? Like, it, it can be like that. But stick with it, and good things will happen. Do you do still hunting, or are you doing spot and stalk? Um, a little bit of still hunting, and then... We did me and my brother did some uh spawn stalking hunting this year, which was super fun. Um
0: get to see your target before you're actually out yeah, in the field. <laughs> and to see it. Yeah. Got <laughs> it helps a little bit.
1: Yeah, a little bit. Uh, that was pretty cool. Like first day of the season, uh my brother spotted some bucks and uh we used the tree to cut the distance in like half. It was like was at like 110 yards and we used this big tree to cut the distance i end up whiffing the shot um at 60 yards
0: that's a poke (laughs) yeah it's a poke yeah that's a poke especially for someone who's only a couple years into it yeah and like sure you can practice all day but until that buck is in front of you you have no idea how you're gonna react
1: oh my gosh you know yeah that's it's a whole different ball game from shooting at the range to when you have one right in front of you yeah and you have trees and Mm -hmm. other things breaking up yeah you have wind your site picture yeah you have a ton of wind as well tons of things that come into play um i with that one and that's what my brother kind of worked with me on was a little bit of spot and stock and like using the terrain to my advantage
0: well and i really like how you brought up using the tree to cut the distance i do that religiously i mean that fork that i shot last year is a Mm -hmm. 26 inch fork Mm -hmm. and um my biggest advantage on that buck was the amount of timber I was in, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like dense, heavy timber. Yeah. And I lined up right behind a tree, mm-hmm. waited for him to start feeding because once he's feeding, all that deer can hear is the crunching of the grass in yep. his mouth, right? Mm-hmm. So he's not going to hear a twig snap. Yeah. Say at 90 yards. And I made my way in and got in from the mm-hmm. 90 yards to 45 yards. Yeah. And then I smoked him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was that was huge learning that and like I couldn't believe that
1: it worked that well to get in that close to him. I mean I was still like sixty yards away, but it was a clear shot. I mean the wind played definitely a little it was a little windy and carried my shot just to the right
0: of him. Um did he move at all when you shot or he moved a little bit. Um that plays a factor as well. Yeah. I mean the sound of the bow and Yeah, exactly. All and all that. it wasn't
1: he was kinda of quartering, quartering to me, so it wasn't like a straight on broadside shot. So was a little tough it was like if you miss your mark by hair you're going to be off you know
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um but luckily i got to redeem myself like four or five days later Mm -hmm. when i when i got my buck he was at 60 yards too but i got him um i used another tree cut the distance he was uh bedded by himself in like a clear-cut like area that got logged like probably last year and stuff like that and uh yeah the taxidermist after I brought him in, he's like, "Your deer had an infection in the eye," so I think that kind of helped too. You know, yeah. <laughs> getting a shot off on maybe. him, <laughs> maybe. You know, yeah. but uh, I think uh, persistence is, plays huge in hunting.
0: And what was that like for you, having missed that opportunity? Like, how did that make you feel? Mm-hmm. Being like, "Man, I blew it." That was. I know tough. my first buck. I blew yeah. it on. Like yeah. I like I probably cried. Yeah,
1: that was. Well, then you you second guess yourself and your ability, like, shooting a bow is mm-hmm. it's kind of a head game if you miss, you know, like, all right, is my stuff on and like, is yeah. my ability there? Like, it, your confidence is like huge with that, you know. So, I was bummed, but I just kind of in the back of my head felt like I was going to get another opportunity, and uh, with my first my first two bucks, I was with my brother. And then I was with him on that, and then he had to go back to work, and then that next day, um, I was by myself. That's that's when I sealed the deal on my buck, and that was that was a huge compliment, accomplishment. Accomplishment, yeah, doing everything on my own. Mm-hmm. That was that was a pretty surreal you stuck feeling. It out, man. Yeah, I stuck it out, and I made it happen, and I waited, and I tracked it, and I did everything on my own, which was which was a pretty cool feeling. Like Mm -hmm. that was huge to like have that confidence in your ability and like be able to get it done all on your own.
0: And you're hunting public ground, so Mm -hmm. when you got into the deer, when you found the buck that you were going to target and go after that day, what was your distance at when you took the shot? When I took the shot, it was at sixty yards. So it was another sixty. It was another
1: sixty-yard shot, which was, which was. My confidence was like a little, I was like, man, am a little, I, shook. A little shook. I was like, am I, I'm going to be able to do this. And it was my biggest buck to date. Like I had a couple, I had a one good forky and then a small forky mm-hmm. in six years. So this is my third deer. Hey
0: man, there's no shame in small forks. Yeah. No, you
1: know, <laughs> no, not at all. You know? But you know, like my thing was like just to get a little bit m- mature deer, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, well, especially if you had a draw tag. Yeah, and a draw tag. You know, I I really wanted to put in the work and like find something pretty decent, you know. So there was a little bit, a little bit of my confidence was down from missing that shot like a few days earlier, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I when I saw him kick, I was like, "All right, that was a good shot." <laughs> you know, I was like, I was stoked, man. I was. You don't realize. So you come to full <laughs> yeah. draw. Yeah. I come to full dry, I step out from behind the tree. Yeah. He's in a clear cut that just had got cut the year before. And he was bedded by himself, which was, you know, usually they're all bachelored up with a couple more. I was like, is there going to be another buck that's going to spot me before? Because I only saw him. And he stood up out of his, uh, he stood up out of his bed. Mm-hmm. And I sidestepped the tree. I had ranged him before. And uh, I kind of just. I took a breath because I know with my, the buck I missed a few days earlier, I definitely had some jittery buck fever going on, you know, like after I took the shot, I saw my hand. I was like, I didn't realize it at the time when I was at full draw that, you know, I was pretty, probably a little bit jittery, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I just took a couple breaths before I came to full draw and like slowed myself down. And that like really helped. Yeah. It was, uh, it was huge on making that shot. No, but then after he, he flew out of there like a out of the hell. And And did you see the impact or hear it? I kind of heard it and he kicked and then just like took off like super fast. (laughs) And I was like, okay, I'll just sit and wait for a few minutes. And then went to where, to where I shot him at and I found a couple, a couple uh couple drops of blood and i was able to get some like service somehow and i called my brother and i was like i told him what happened you know a few drops of blood nothing like nothing huge you know nothing substantial yeah nothing substantial and he's like all right just back out just wait an hour wait an hour just you know go 20 more yards from where you shot it mark where your your blood was at and back out and do that and then uh so i marked some blood waited an hour and then went back in there I marked some more blood, and then I saw a little bit more, a little bit more. I was like, "Man, I was like, did I make a good shot?" I was thinking to myself, "I was like, hopefully, I I felt like I did." And uh I finally saw a big pile, and then there was this clearing, and I look up, and was just like laying there. I was, I was, I was juiced, man. <laughs> really yelling at all? Oh or? my gosh! I was, I, I was screaming. I could not believe it. Like to do <laughs> it all on my own, you yeah, know? Like was totally was dude, that's so like, Was so exciting to like. I don't know. Like it just brought up like so emotion. I was like, man, like last like couple seasons, I haven't gotten anything. And then to put in all this hard work and it come to fruition. And I was like, I was juiced, man. Like I could not believe it. That like, feeling will hook you. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> the sun was hitting and his body was just laying there and it was like all gold. I was like, no way. I was like, this is real right now. And I walked up to him and cause he was facing that, facing me so i knew he, he was a pretty good sized rack but i couldn't tell what side inside he ended up being a four by three um about 20 22 inches i think he was it's a good buck man yeah it's a great I, buck. like dude i was i couldn't believe it i was just like talking to myself out there you know <laughs> i was like uh yelling and screaming i couldn't believe it i called my brother up um i was losing it you know i was mm-hmm. like so juiced <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah What'd your brother say? Um, dude, he was so stoked, and we we're we were pretty competitive growing up, you know. <laughs> and so all brothers are. Right? Yeah, all brothers are. Yeah. No matter what, you know. Yeah. And he was at work, and he, he was so stoked for me. Um, it's like, "Oh man, you could tell like he didn't get a buck yet." You know, we had a we had the same we had the same tag for the same unit, you know. And he's uh, like, "Oh man, it's like." I knew it was kind of eating him. He was at work while I'm hunting. So, and I just got a pretty decent buck, you know? So, you know, he's <laughs> eating him up, right? <laughs> for, sure. All, for the rest of the day at work. He's like, Oh man, I'm going to go out after work. And then, uh, making it to the truck, haul my deer and, and driving back in the, uh, back in the town. And I passed my brother cause he's going out for evening. Hunt. He's, he's like nine stopping to see my deer. He's like, I'm going. And, uh, that fucker went and smoked. Big old four by four that evening. No. Yes, yeah. It was. Is he older than
0: you? No, he's younger. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, it was.
1: He. I was like, he like sent me a message later that evening when I had my buck and I was like showing my family and uh, he's like, I just smoked a stud. I'm pretty sure it's bigger than yours. I was like, what? I was like, he's just messing with me. You know, he's just he, fucking he's around. Just I mean, he's just trying to give high. me shit, right? He just jacked your yeah. whole high, dude. <laughs> and then he comes home that night with a stud i think it was this giant four by four had to be 26 27 inches real tall i was like dude but it was such a special moment for me and my brother to get deer in the same zone on the same day like that was a pretty special moment you know like Mm -hmm. that stuff doesn't happen that often you know Mm -hmm. um and be able to share that that evening um, to get some pictures side by side with us was was a pretty cool moment, you know. Like yeah. him, super pumped for me, and then equally as pumped for him, you know, to go and do that.
0: And there's still that slight competitive. Yeah, there's You're still like, a slight competitive fucker. like.
1: Just fuck. I was like, all right, it's a
0: little bit bigger. Fucker, <laughs> <laughs> that's cool though. Yeah, it was. You know, it's all good fun, but you know, I mean, looking... and you guys both individually went out. Yeah, and, and did on it. our do on solo? our own
1: things, on our solo yeah. things, so that was uh
0: that was pretty cool (laughs) right yeah that's awesome man yeah so what do you do for work because i mean obviously you're not hunting all the time
1: not hunting so right now uh i'm a stationary engineer i Mm -hmm. just finished my apprenticeship so i work in the city in the kind of high-rise building maintaining um maintaining and like keeping the building running working on motors and fans and stuff like that um doing that for a few years, it's, it's cool. I, I like the people in the building, but the city is kind of difficult. San it's difficult. It's difficult, sure. you know? And like
0: as a hunter and developing this new passion and hobby and love uh-huh. for the outdoors, what it is, what has it been like, you know, having your full-time employment and uh-huh. trying to figure out, you know, and make it work so you can spend time with your family and do yep. family stuff uh-huh. and spend time, Trying yeah. to figure out going hunting and making that work. And yeah. The full ball. It's been
1: it's been super difficult the last four years because my apprenticeship of night school, like two nights a week, and that starts in September. So the last four years I've been really limited on the length of a trip I could go on for a deer trip. So um, this was the first year that I've been able to, like, take some time off and dedicate it to hunting um it's kind of difficult having like a full-time job and then that night school on top of that to dedicate to hunting and then because of that i did a lot of waterfowl hunting because i could just do that on the weekends and stuff like that um it's been hard dividing up time that's like the hardest thing to do is like hey i'm gonna need to take some time off for vacation with my family And then I need to, you know, put some time aside to go hunting in the fall. So I'm learning that this year when I don't have any uh, night school right now. So Mm -hmm. next few years will hopefully open up a little bit more. And I always
0: think that it's such an important topic to talk about Mm -hmm. and discuss because everybody can't always be in the field. Everybody's job mm-hmm. doesn't allow them to have time in the field mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. You know, and that family sacrifice cause mm-hmm. it's sacrifice, right? Yep. And that's what people are doing is they're uh-huh. sacrificing time with their loved ones and other people Yeah, um, to go spend time by themselves in the mm-hmm. woods and try to figure out how to hunt. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of that. Yeah. Right. And so having that limited time
1: maybe took me longer um, than someone who grew up hunting because I had that limited time of not being able to take a few hours, go up in the woods, you know? So maybe my learning curve was a little bit slower compared to other people, Mm -hmm. you know? Um,
0: but there's a lot of people that get into hunting that Mm -hmm. are in that exact same circumstance. Yeah. Right. You know, and, and a lot of people can get extremely discouraged because of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and it didn't make you discouraged. Maybe there was points, Yeah. you know, but you stuck it out and, came through it uh
1: but luckily like
0: my parents always
1: took a bunch of time out each summer to even though it wasn't hunting was to go camping yeah you know spend
0: time outdoors spend time
1: outdoors with the family like that was huge like i don't think people take advantage of camping enough especially now this day and age with Mm -hmm. um with like social media and like everything that's going on like, you can be in a living room like this with your family and not spend any quality time mm-hmm. together. But when you're camping, you don't have that all. Like, it's straight up quality time. There's no phones. There's no TV and stuff like yeah. that. It's And depending where you go, no service. Yeah, no service. Yeah. And uh, I think that's it. It's, it's kind of like. Maybe more people are getting into it now because they're not work, are able because to com- <laughs> Because the coronavirus. Because of the corona. You know, but I think that, I think if more people camped, it would be a little bit better place, you know, because you really do connect with people when you're camping, you know. There's not a bunch of distractions.
0: Well, I feel like the love and appreciation for nature and the outdoors plays a major role in people's, Disconnect from all the, the bullshit. Yeah. You know, and our society these days is so um, polarized and it's one way or the other. And mm-hmm. you can't have a diversity of intellect between friends. Like, you know, if you have this belief, you can't yeah. hang out with people with this belief. And we need you to divide. And right. everybody is so divided mm-hmm. and it's terrible. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: Like, working in the city where I work, um, with like the tenants in the building like i've got to kind of be hush hush about my lifestyle and like or hunting or you know because who knows if it's acceptable or not who, who knows if it's acceptable and if someone
0: gets pissed off could you lose your job you know like that's that's, and that's what I'm a afraid reality of,
1: like, what if i say the wrong thing or someone takes it the wrong way
0: or you say it to a yeah. vegan
1: yeah animal like, rights activist I, I, where have you been? You I haven't seen you around the building. I was like, you know, I was deer hunting and stuff like, you don't know how that's going to be received. Yeah. And it's like, that kind of sucks to walk on eggshells about how
0: you live your lifestyle, you know, mm-hmm. or just, and I, I think people getting back into the outdoors and back into nature uh-huh. can help rectify that a yeah. little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, to what we were talking about earlier, sharing the food and the experience Mm -hmm. with other people yeah, and helping people see it and then come together for the love of it. Yeah. You know, and the enjoyment and the Mm -hmm. camaraderie and companionship, even if it's just over a meal, Mm -hmm. how that can help fortify new relationships and bring acceptance, at least in California back towards hunting. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, one thing I noticed when my sister moved uh, up to the Bernie falls area Mm Mm-hmm
1: um the kids got into 4-h and being from civica didn't grow up with that at all you know and seeing like i don't know how you would say install and like build like the kids um worth that worth ethic um and be able to like see that was really cool seeing like young kids You know, take the time, wake up before school, feed their animal, take care of it after school, feed it, um, the
0: responsibility of being in charge of
1: another life. Yeah. And then to see that process, like my niece go through that, she grew up in Pacifica and then moved up there and was totally new to that. And for her to go through that, that first year, you know, she cried when they auctioned off her pig or whatever, but she stuck with it the years. I don't see that, but to see her grow from that and how much they learn, I was
0: like, that's, that's a pretty awesome program. Right. <laughs> well, it teaches children the value of a life, you know, uh-huh. to an extent. Yeah. You know what and I mean? And the responsibility for
1: that life leading up to that, mm-hmm. all the work that goes into it, mm-hmm. you know, I think the, I think there's a lot of cool things you can learn from 4-H and like those programs like FFA and stuff like
0: yeah. that. Yeah. Be nicer if they were more readily available.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was like, man, I wish I had that growing up. Like, that's pretty
0: killer. I didn't have 4-H growing up. I don't yeah. think either. Yeah, neither did I. You know, mm-hmm. I
1: just got exposed to it because it was up there, and it, it's huge. And it was like,
0: this, yeah, this is it's pretty, pretty awesome. big here in Sonoma County, right? Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. You guys got uh Sonoma, like quite a bit of. Do you have dairy? Well, dairy farming. Yeah, there's and a stuff lot of like dairy.
0: That? There's a lot of dairy in West Marin too on oh, the okay. coast. Yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Um, but where I grew up in San Anselmo I can't remember, it was like Boy Scouts. Yeah. And that was kind of the extent of mm-hmm. what we had.
1: Yeah. And I think camping's pretty cool too, is for kids to be like self efficient, you know? Like mm-hmm. there's so many things to learn, like from fishing, hunting and camping, like I don't know, making your own fire, all those kind of things like can really uh help with the growth of like the kids and the youth and stuff like that. Like I don't know i think if like more kids were outdoors it'd be a lot better place do you have kids i have a two and a half year old boy and then i have a little girl i just had like a couple weeks ago wow yeah that's insane how's (laughs) that going it's good it's that's a big balance too is Mm -hmm. like
0: now like i I was saying earlier you know the balance between family um
1: it's good like i try to um i take him on my back and my pack i pack him on hikes like in the mountains and the hills like around town and i try to i'm slowly easing him his way in to the outdoors and stuff and i i don't want to like full-on push him too hard and like <laughs> ha- you know scare him away from it and have him push back you know so slowly getting into him take him to the beach a lot and He's getting into it, take him fishing and stuff like that, like up in the mountains for trout and stuff like that. He's getting into it. He likes Super it. Super excited about it. Yeah, that. and he's like full-on, hands-on, you know, just yeah. catching lizards, having a good time. Like, yeah. he digs it, so I'm pretty excited to bring them up in that, you know. In that environment. Yeah, in that environment where a lot of kids where I live don't, you know, necessarily have the opportunity
0: or or the parents don't know about you know about the opportunity about that the it opp- even exists yeah exactly. isn't that weird yeah that there's people that have no idea the world that's outside of the concrete yeah see yeah exactly like have no clue that you could even do it like oh you can do that like yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a you trip you can hike off of a trail yeah really <laughs> you don't have to stay on it right <laughs> and that's like how do you not understand that yeah concept? and like people trip out like All the stuff,
1: like, I've been able to see, you know, being in the outdoors and, like, working in Alaska, like, oh, that's not in the zoo, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. no, I've seen that out in the wild and stuff like that. Like, all the experiences, like, it's a trip how people are, like, really sheltered, like, really disconnected from the outdoors. Yeah. 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 Like, you could easily meet someone who's just never seen a bear or anything, like, in the
0: outdoors. Anything outside (laughs) of city limits. Yep, exactly. (laughs) This is a trip it's scary dude yeah That's at the scary. same time though it's a double-edged sword it's like but I don't want more people in the forest <laughs> I too yeah you know <laughs> so you were in Alaska for four years you said yeah up there helping out and doing stuff yeah
1: who so would go there early It's a old um as an old cannery for like salmon and stuff like that and they converted it into a lodge um, it was a pretty awesome place like we worked in the evenings we started at 4 p.m so we had like all morning and all day to kind of go and venture and hike and prince of wales is like man that place is like wildlife on crack like (laughs) like during the salmon season you know like we're on the inside passage i mean you have orcas going under your boat you have whales breaching you have salmon halibut yeah it's it's nuts. We I took uh I took the skiff out with a couple buddies who were working who came out from South Dakota. And uh, we're in the channel in between these two islands and we spot, I spotted uh, a pod of orcas like 12, right? And then uh what's that like? Dude, that is that was like my that's what my dream was. Going out to Alaska to see orcas like that was I like I
0: totally can relate to that. that. Was I like haven't done my, it and I want to so bad. That was my bad.
1: That was my goal. Like, I was like, every opportunity I was like looking. And uh, and so this pod came and uh, we saw one coming through the channel. So I rushed out, took the boat out to the middle and turned off the engine. And this whole pod came under our boat. And this uh, one male, big male, uh, jumped out of the water, blasted a salmon. That was pretty killer. Really? Yeah. And then another time... Me and my buddy were out there and two big like bull orcas were going by and I was standing I was standing on the boat on the skiff while they're swimming by and their dorsal fins were taller than me. I'm like six three. I was like, there's gigantic animals. No way. Yeah. It was insane. Whoa. It was such a trip but that's intimidating. Yeah. It's super intimidating. My buddy, <laughs> my buddy from South Dakota is like, okay, that's cool. Can we go now? Can we go in? I was like, no man. Like you don't understand. I want to be in this. But I be in this. So it was like, it was pretty cool. We were trying to feed, feed them some salmon. We caught.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. How'd
1: that go over? <laughs> it was all right. They just kind of kept cruising and stuff. Um, they're, they're crazy smart animals, man. They're yeah. a trip. Like, I mean, they kill great white sharks. They yeah. kind of gotta be. Yeah. Right. Um, but when everything you know, everything comes in with the salmon and the bait. And that place is, it's a trip like pops off with pops wildlife. off. Like they say they find cause all that salmon runs up that Creek, you know, the bears eat them. The Eagles eat them. That place is like crazy. They say they find like in the trees around the surrounding Creek area that they find like salmon DNA or something within inside the tree, uh, inside the tree and, and in the soil because,
0: because I mean, it's so much breakdown. Year yeah, and you year walk and out.
1: through that forest at the end of August, it stinks because it's all carcasses. Mm-hmm. But that's a pretty killer place. I mean, their black bear numbers are like insane. They're all over. Really? Yeah. I was bummed. Like, looking back at it now, I wish I was hunting back then mm-hmm. because the opportunity to get some of those sick of blacktail and black bear, like, that's pretty killer. And seeing sick of blacktail. Swim across an ocean channel to an island like a couple miles is a trip like i was out there fishing and i was like there and there's a buck. a buck there's a buck <laughs> swimming <laughs> across a two mile channel like that's insane yeah like i, I had no idea that was possible <laughs> that's crazy yeah i didn't know that uh-huh that happened so the, the wolves and the deer will there's a it's littered with islands all over small and then um wolves and deer will kind of bounce around swimming to island to island like kind of in chase search them. of feed and and
0: yeah. or getting away from predators or getting away
1: from predators yeah certain islands have brown bears and then certain islands just have black bears like Prince of Wales doesn't have any brown bears or like grizzlies it's mm-hmm. just straight up
0: straight up uh, black bears are you ever going to go back up there to hunt? I think so I Working really want it.
1: to yeah I like knowing now what I know now and like I ventured around that island pretty it's, it's a huge Island, but that, uh, that corner I did, uh, I want to go back there. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to do a hunt. I'd like to do a caribou hunt, but, uh, what's your dream hunt? <sighs> dream hunt. I kind of want to get like a big velvet Nevada or Utah buck. Really? Yeah. Mule deer. Yeah. Mule deer. That's big, awesome. A big mule deer. Like I'm obsessed with like hunting bucks in the velvet mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's kind of just like what i am and then uh probably one other one i would like to do is probably a caribou hunt i really want to try that out
0: mm-hmm.
1: do you know where like brian um there's an island in alaska that my sister um her boyfriend went there's old military base and they brought these caribou on there. Ak- yep I want to go there. I want to check that out. He's, he, uh, Her boyfriend went, like, a couple times and says it's pretty awesome.
0: Pretty fun And adventure. they're huge.
1: They're giant. Like, really? They're giant caribou. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah.
0: And ADAC, if I understand correctly,
1: is a DIY hunt. Yes. Good. Yep. And if you're a resident, I don't even think you need a tag, but for us, non-residents, I think you do. Yeah. Um.
0: Yeah. I think I mean, the hardest thing about that hunt is the flight schedules. Yes.
1: That can... Traveling in Alaska can, you need to give yourself a couple days yeah, either window. side for a window because weather, like working at the lodge, I mean, weather can hit brutal. And you could be there for two or three days just waiting for the weather to pass because mm-hmm. you're flying on those float planes. I mean, and you need some pretty good weather to fly. <laughs> in those. Like those, it could be pretty hairy, brutal. like on those float planes. Um, so I worked. Yeah. and prince of wales and uh and then i commercial fished up in juno that's where i did some uh, gill netting and uh crapping out of there and that's a cool place i mean there's mountain goats you could just see right from the ocean right up there like How right cool from, is that dude seeing mountain goats like right up on the hillside while you're while fishing, you're fishing. <laughs> is so sick and then you see a ton of coastal brown bears while they're fishing like they're always hunting the shore and stuff like mm-hmm. that um that was a trip Excuse
0: me. No, Water just makes me <laughs> burp. Shit.
1: <laughs> yeah, but knowing knowing what I know now, I wish I was hunting back then. But it was it was such a cool experience. Like Alaska is is just so different from anything else I've ever experienced in mm-hmm. the outdoors. Um,
0: That's right. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. Right on. What's your plans for next year? What's your next adventure
1: plan? So next year I'll finally be able to have some time off. I th- think I kind of want to try to go elk hunting with Jeff. Try that out. I mean,
0: the Idaho hunt. Yeah. I mean, get that tag early, man. Yeah. Right. Cause I, mean, I always tell them I'm going to go. And then by the time I'm like, all right, I'm going to go buy the tag. They're fucking sold out. <laughs> yeah. Which that's a new thing happening up there, but it's happening. Yeah. yeah. So I think I'm going to try my hand at elk
1: hunting. That that's going to be another learning curve. Um, I think i'm gonna really try to do try to get in nevada uh archery hunt try to do that i have talked to a couple people over there and it's a couple zones that aren't like crazy hard to like yeah get um so i think i'm gonna give that a shot
0: that's awesome yeah what about you for next year yeah i don't even know you got so much going on this year huh uh i did i had a lot going on this year i had 76 days of different hunts canceled so far this year wow um due to uh plenty of different things 40 mm-hmm. days in bc obviously canceled coronavirus mm-hmm. um there was permits that didn't get got for the white mountains for mm-hmm. sheep hunting so that was three sheep hunts that got canceled mm-hmm. those 16 days um there was a mule deer hunt that got canceled because lack of antler growth and then another mule deer hunt that got canceled for same purpose um so wow yeah it's been it's been an interesting year it's that's a hit yeah when that happens um you know because i had you know two and a half months planned mm-hmm. they pretty much just got <laughs> raped from me um but uh there's still some fun stuff coming up for the rest yeah. of this year a couple sheep hunts for the rest of this year and uh some other stuff going on and then um Next year, I have no idea. There might be, I might be going on a caribou hunt uh, with two guys uh, that booked, that are trying to book a caribou hunt for mm-hmm. 21. They're having a lot of difficulty booking a caribou hunt for 21 um, for the caliber caribou they're seeking um, and some other hunts. Yeah. But I mean, who knows? I have no idea. Every, I mean, there's some days where I've got like nothing coming up and someone calls me and then boom. All right. Yeah. Next 15 days, I've got this going on, mm-hmm. you know, and then other stuff gets planned. So, right. I have no idea, you know, but I'm ready for it. Yeah. Have you been uh, been to uh, British Columbia before, BC? Yeah. That was the first stone sheep hunt, only stone sheep hunt I've ever been on. How was that place? Amazing. Is there Absol- a lot of grizzlies? Uh, I think there was there was like. Nine sided when we were mm-hmm. on that trip, I yeah. think it was nine. I, I mm-hmm. can't remember in a couple wolves. Uh-huh. Um, but that was like the last 15 days of the season, which can be the roughest 15 yeah. days of the season. Weather, uh, everything, temperatures, the whole nine. We were on horseback. It's a 15 day horseback hunt. Uh, That's killer. And I think we were on horses for like 10 hours a day. Wow. Uh, but we covered a lot of ground. We were seeing rams and. And sheep every single day and uh, ended up being successful on day nine. Dallas shot that ramp, And it was an experience. I bet. It was an experience. I was really looking forward to being back in BC this year with the same outfitter, Toshote River Outfitters. Yeah. And uh, it just didn't happen. So, yeah. bummed about that. Yeah. But, Man, what a killer hunt. <laughs> yeah. And then that one was from. The White Mountains last year, that was the first sheep hunt I ever went on. Really? Yeah. Sunrise. Morning after the kill. Wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a buddy of mine, um, he got the he drew a bighorn sheep tag in Nevada. Mm-hmm. He lives there. Um, and I was doing some duck hunting out there this year with him, and he brought the skull out, and I got to hold it. Yeah. That was a trip, man. Yeah. Those animals are wild. They're beasts, dude. Yeah, like... The
0: bases, like, just, wow. What a crazy animal. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty neat, man. Pretty spectacular animal. And it's an amazing conservation success story. Yeah. uh, As far as being able to hunt them and the species still being alive. Yeah. Um, It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, pretty lucky to still have them around. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big, big conservation success win right there. Heck yeah. Yeah that's about it for me. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> the sauce could take off crazy. Yeah. And, hopefully, man. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's
1: been getting, uh, been seeing a lot of people, you know, <laughs> a support. lot of internet buzz. Yeah. A lot of internet buzz, but that's yeah. good to see, you yeah. know,
0: from it's fun, man. Yeah. It's cool. It's fun. I'm really excited that people are going to be able to do their own flip flops. Yeah. You know, and not just, I don't have to be there to do yeah, it. You exactly. know what I mean? And, and you know, people can actually, do it and share the experience Mm -hmm. with their family and friends and their family and friends and their family and friends. And I'm really excited to see the evolution of it throughout the entire nation of America. Yeah. You know, because that's what it's on right Mm -hmm. now. That's the path and the trajectory that it's on is changing hunting, cooking around the nation.
1: Yeah. Because like right now, like we talked about earlier before we started that, you know, it's mostly hunters buying it, but, it'll be really cool to see when those non hunters are mm-hmm. using that sauce and you know, it'll it, be that really cool effect.
0: when non hunters are seeing it and uh-huh. using it. And then they're seeing flip flop and uh-huh. wanting to be a part of that and be involved in that. Yeah. And then they want to start hunting themselves and start being able to do that themselves yep. with their friends and family. Yeah. And that for me is what I'm most excited about is trying to get new hunters involved in the sport. Right. That's huge. And it's all through cooking and it's all through mm-hmm. a style of cooking right which is you know pretty remarkable Mm -hmm.
1: and that's a pretty cool like trickle down effect that by having the sauce and getting it out there that you could you know potentially get people into the
0: outdoors and hunting and Mm -hmm. stuff which is a win-win you know i mean yeah and i mean you know i've taught hunters education for seven or eight years now uh and getting new hunters in the field has just been such a huge part for me and part of my life like before social media was yeah. popularized uh-huh. and all that and uh, you know really getting to further that agenda for myself yeah um it's huge and and that's one of the difficulties in california uh-huh. is that we're in such like a, a battleground state yeah for hunting rights and hunting privileges uh-huh. and everything like that constantly yeah so any good representation and example that we can leave on the non-hunting community. Yeah. Um, it's positive. Yeah.
1: It's especially hard too, because you know, you get a lot of hunters too that want to are leaving the state too. So it's like, and that's even, been a battle for me and that's hard. And that's hard to bring new hunters in when you don't have the hunters here anymore. They're leaving. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, um, I haven't talked to you about it, but you know, like, who doesn't being a hunter, who doesn't want to move to a different state where you have more freedoms and like is more open to the hunting lifestyle like there's a ton of us that want to leave,
0: but it's like yeah. also this state is is pretty great, man. My difficulty right now, and I can tell you I have thirty six earmarked properties mm-hmm. in Wyoming, Montana, and idaho mm-hmm. um and I've gone up and down and looked at properties all over the place out there, yeah. and you know. Each state has its own value and, and what I w- would like to do living yeah. there as far as hunting goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really, really difficult to leave an area where my family has been since the 1800s. Right, yeah. You know, uh-huh. um, You know, my dad grew up, you know, he lived in Pacifica. Yeah. He, grew, he was a city kid. Yeah. Um, you know, my mom grew up mm-hmm. in Marin. So it's really, for me, it's just, That's been one of the biggest trying parts. It's like, do I want to sell my house? Do I want to leave? Yeah. You know, because, I mean, I could potentially keep my house and rent it out, Mm -hmm. but then I don't have income enough to buy property out of state. Yeah. You know?
1: And so that's, I think that's a tough thing right now in California is, like, of course, I I would want to leave and go to another state. I've been looking for the past (laughs) couple of years, you know, but uh you know if,
0: you if wanna i want to jump I do, on a boat uh, and go salmon fishing today because we still got time Oh, good you know what i mean
1: <laughs> yeah and it's like but then there's one less person to maybe get that kid into honey you know pass that Tradition. pass that down you yeah. know yes yeah. so that's really tough you know cuz it is really getting thinned out here in in uh in california and that's tough like i would like to pass that down and have you know other kids and you know get into it and be able to show them like how it's done, you know, and mm-hmm. just kind of sucks that our state is like trying to drive that out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And <laughs> it's a, that's like the state's goal. Yeah. Right. Let's drive all of it away.
1: <laughs> all of it away.
0: Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. Neither do I. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. States <laughs> politics. <laughs> Yay. California. Yeah. Right? Fuck that. shit. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Well right on man I yeah. appreciate you coming out here and yeah. and coming and hanging out at the house and yeah. getting to know you better and have the conversation and yeah thanks for having me out I mean I'm not a long time hunter but man I love the outdoors right <laughs> for sure right well, we'll end with that yeah right on <laughs> Thanks for tuning into the show folks If you'd like to check us out online our website is www.theflipflopguide.co you can find out all the information you need to have your own flip-flop in your own backyard. We encourage this and we'd love to see this happening in every backyard across America. You can purchase our sauces that have been cranking out flip-flops from my grandfather since the 1960s. If you had trouble filling your tags this year, we also have available on our website, Maui Nui Axis Deer Legs. They're 100% USDA approved and ready for your consumption. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram at theflipflopguy. We hope you have a great day. Thanks for tuning in. And don't forget to smash that subscribe button.